What's up, fight fans? Welcome to the UFC on ESPN One post-fight show brought to you by SB Nation MMA, which includes websites like Bloody Elbow and MMAmania.com. I'm your host, as always, Flying Brian J, and with me, as usual, is the guys from the six-round post-fight show, the Eddie Mercado and the Zane Simon. The fight card was pretty damn awesome, guys. Uh, the first one on big ESPN, or just regular ESPN for the UFC, and the main event ended in uh, short order, just like the UFC's first trip to Big Fox. Uh, Zane and I were talking quite a bit off air, but so I want to hear from Eddie first. What do you think of the result of the main event? The result of the main event was ridiculous. Francis Nagani knocking out Cain Velasquez, but I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. Yeah. Uh, I, I had Naganu going in. I just didn't trust Kane. Uh, the power, just the, the sheer power of Naganu alone had me picking him. Like, I didn't, I didn't trust the durability of Kane. And to make matters worse, it looked like Kane blew his knee out. Yeah. So it's like, that's, that's could be the end of Kane. But he seemed super opti- optimistic in his post-fight interview. Like, he didn't seem, I, I think that's what Eugene Robinson calls lost battalion. Oh, so yeah. that might miss the yeah. in the post fight he said that he's ready to get back in there as soon as possible yeah Dude. but I mean the thing is that we already know what as soon as possible <laughs> is for a Cain Velasquez injury recovery timetable yeah. and it's like two years minimum <laughs> I, 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 I hope he's getting paid I hope he made like you know all the money. Conor McGregor money, like two, three million base salary money. I know he didn't make pay-per-view points or anything. It wasn't a pay-per-view, but I hope he made like millions of dollars. I know he didn't, but I just let me hope. Let me dream. Because yeah. <clears throat> anytime Kane Velasquez gets injured, I'm just like, well, it's going to be like two or three years. And at this point, it's just like, what? what's the point? He did not like the guy who stepped out there against Francis Ngannou just looked old. Like... Cain Velasquez looked old. He, he, didn't looked, look, he looked like a Bellator heavyweight. He absolutely yeah, did look I like just, a Bellator heavyweight. He looked like a guy out of. He looked like a guy who'd spent three and a half years sitting on the sidelines and who'd been treating his body very carefully, trying to manage everything just perfectly to make sure that he stays held together by spit and string long enough to step, set foot in the cage again. He didn't look like a dude who's out there pushing it you know 200 percent all the time like he used to be and like the reason that his knees are fucked now and the reason the thing too is that though like pro athletes they're all doing you know everybody was like oh my god kane velasquez he's out there pushing himself even harder than all the other pro athletes well maybe that's not a fucking good idea but all your best pro athletes are all the dudes who are pushing themselves they're all everybody's pushing themselves hard there's nobody out there who's like Oh, I'm one of the best fighters in the world, and I just don't work that hard. Even BJ Penn, you go watch those early BJ Penn f- fights when he crashed the UFC and like was immediately right in title competition. BJ Penn is fucking cut. Dude was like muscles on muscles on muscles. Not everybody's working hard when they're at the top. And this, this dude, Kane Velasquez now, does not look like a guy who can go out and put in the kind of time to be an elite heavyweight. And even looked like that coming into the fight. I mean, we we knew that long before this fight even happened. Sorry, Eddie. What what were we saying, Eddie? 
Uh, don't, no, no, no. Okay. So, <laughs> it's uh, better, it's better left on Eddie, right. before, before I brought you guys in, uh, before I brought you in, Zane and I were talking about betting and, and how, um, you know, we're not big gamblers, but, so we knew that coming into this fight, Kane looked old and rickety. Uh, were you, I know that you like gambling and you're a pretty good, uh, tout, Eddie. What did you think of the minus 200 line on Kane Velasquez? I think a lot of that speaks to the dumb money, just people who recognize the name. This card's on ESPN. It's like, you know, Nagano is still relatively unknown as far as, yeah. I don't want to say the mainstream, but like the streams yeah. that are kind of close to the main. Like I was talking to a friend of mine who used to be a huge MMA fan, and I was talking to him about like, oh, yeah, no, Kane Velasquez is fighting Francis Ngannou, and he was like, Oh, is that the dude who's like talking about his boo boo and his poo poo? And I was like, no, that's Derek Lewis. Like, <laughs> you know, that's like Derek Lewis has cracked the mainstream, being wild. Every anybody else, you know, it takes a lot more than than you think for fans. Like, even a casual fan who's like dipping in and out and catching a few things to come on anybody's radar there. I've I've talked to way too many people who are like, oh, I used to watch a ton of the UFC, and now I catch a few fights here and there, and then they're like five years out of date on anybody that's fighting. Yeah. And then, like, BJ Penn actually fights, and it's just like, what the fuck? They're yeah. actually, they become right again. Because they're yeah. always like, hey, didn't BJ Penn just fight? And you're like, no. And then he actually does, and it's like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, he just fought again. Yeah. Um, What do you think is next for Francis the Predator and Ganu? And, like, I would say give him a title shot against Daniel Cormier, but Cormier's life is very convoluted right now with the Brock, with the John, with the Stipe. What, what do you say we do with uh, Ngannou in the meantime, uh, Zane? I think he's – I mean, Ngannou is probably more likely to get a title shot at Stipe than, or at, uh, Daniel. Cormier than Stipe is. I think there's probably a good chance that he just cuts in line because Cormier gets tired of waiting for Brock and – doesn't really seem like he wants the Stipe fight again, even if it may just be sort of like a minor personal spite thing of like, I don't feel like I should have to fight you twice. And you'll feel like, and Stipe is not like Stipe is somebody that sells a bunch of pay-per-views. He's not a big popular fight to get. He's just a really tough dude. So maybe Cormier will feel like Ngannou, somebody that he can get, like can be a little more shine, be an easier fight if he's not going to get a huge pay-per-view bump, pay-per-view bump off of it whatever else um i wouldn't be surprised if nganu just gets a title shot out of this otherwise if i were nganu i'd be calling for a stipe miocha rematch that's what i was thinking yeah that's it's i mean who else is there really there's yeah. like there's nobody no one legitimate that would yep. they, even be considered for real they let curtis blades walk right into nganu again so He's got to go back to the drawing board. And uh, Derek Lewis has, you know, his last fight was just getting totally wrecked by Daniel Cormier. Well, no, no, I got to stop you there. I do not want to see that rematch. No, please, please, no. No, but you could, I mean, you could do like, you could do Lewis Stipe. Okay, and yeah. Nganu Cormier, you yeah. know. But for Naganu, this is two straight wins for a total of 71 seconds. Oh, shit. That's insane. Yeah, the punching could, power is superhuman. He could fight Alexander Volkov tomorrow and win. He could fight a small village tomorrow and win. <laughs> yeah, like, This dude has scary power. He is a very, very scary individual. Um, 
he could beat everybody that fought in, main, in the heavyweight division in the last Bellator card right now, fully clothed. At uh, the same time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If, only if he had one of those, like, a real sturdy cup. I think that's the key to getting that. that yeah, he did, like, through three dudes, and then he'd fight, they'd fight Congo, get kicked in the groin a bunch, still win, but be, like, well, well diminished after that. And, yeah. and, and Roy Nelson the, would the, still complain about it. And the new the new dick kick of Mitrione is something to deal with. That's yeah. a real threat, you know. He's Calls been, he's been that that testicles. <laughs> he kicked a guy so hard in the cup he got a hemorrhoid on his butt. <laughs> uh, that's fucking crazy. Uh, let's go to the what the fuck. Or if you don't want to be cussing too much, we can go to the shining star moment oh, of, yeah, the, of the car. Cussing too much. Well, you never know. You better watch my fucking tongue in here with the fucking cussing. It's a goddamn family show, Zane. Am I allowed to talk about Blumpkins? <laughs> you can hear that. No. Uh, I heard you're, that. That was on the. You're, you're fired. That was on you're the Bellator vivisection this week. Uh, yes, I listened uh, to that. Right. Uh, okay, Eddie, tell me what your what the fuck moment of this card was. I didn't really have a what the fuck moment. It could be positive. Um, I'll go with the shining star moment. I gotta go Vicente Luque. Yeah. Uh, staying composed, digging deep in a war, you know, having someone in front of you that just won't go away, but just staying the course and staying true to yourself and not getting desperate for anything and digging deep when it really mattered and coming up with a, a, a TKO with just six seconds remaining in the fight. I thought that was incredible. Uh, and I'm glad that didn't go to the judges. So, uh, Shining Star Award for Vicente Luque. I'm a big fan. I've been watching him for a while. Completely underrated. He's the dark horse of the division. His record is severely deceptive, and he is a killer. Like, he nukes people. Even yeah. if there's six seconds left now, we know he'll he'll still nuke you. So that, that's my Shining Star. But to tail right. on to that, there's a, a little bit. you got to give some credit to Brian Barbarina because yeah. he survived oh, yeah. a ton of damage up until the six seconds. Yeah. No, Barbarina is tough as shit, and he's impossible to look good against. That's why I didn't like. It ended up being a fucking awesome fight, but I felt like the UFC kind of did Luke dirty giving him this fight because it's like you're not gonna look fucking good against Brian Barbarina. You're just not. You've been nuking everybody out there. Every every fight you've won, you've just destroyed people, and now they're giving you Brian Barbarina. Like you're not getting anything big. You're not getting a chance to really shine. He he made it. He shined out of it because of the mm-hmm. awesomeness of the fight. But they just threw him like the dude that will knock you back to the prelims, where no, for something that nobody will remember, you know. Yeah, and he's Luke has been calling for a top fifteen opponent for a long time or top ten, and he yeah. still didn't get it. And Barbarina had never been finished before, so that was yeah. They kind of did do him dirty. What's your uh, what the fuck of the card, Zane? Well, it's an, it's. It shouldn't be a what the fuck, but it's amazing because we, you know, none of us, I think, even thought to talk about it. But probably the end of Henan Barrow's UFC career mm-hmm. on the fucking fight pat, like ESPN Plus early prelims. Yeah, and it sucks too because he he came out and had that great first round, much yeah. like Eric Silva did against uh, Amosov, and it's just like, man, you once once. Sanders got to his corner and they told him the adjustment to make and he did and he listened. It was a fucking rap for Burrell. The second Sanders came forward when Burrell was striking, Dunzo. Yeah, it's just like, oh man, it bums me so the fuck out because it's the same story every single fight. He comes out, he looks great, 
you're like, oh man, Barrow looks like old Barrow. He looks like he looks like champion Henan Barrow. I thought we're seeing, and then he gets hit a couple times. He starts getting walked back a little, and the confidence you just see it leave him, mm-hmm. and it's just like a puddle on the floor. And there's this shadow of Henan Barrow there, and he just got knocked out like twenty seconds after that. Yeah, he lets guys take his soul. Yeah, I think it's been it, gone for a while. I mean, he's he's yeah. got one win in the last four years, like four and a quarter years, and it was over Felipe Nover uh, via decision. And yeah. that was that was a lot closer than it should have been. Yep. But they pulled Nover out of like out of the the triage because he's a he's a nurse, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like straight up took him out of the triage for that. Yeah. So, it just it fucking hurts, man. Like. I, I, not that I was the biggest Henan Barrow fan, but he was such a fun fighter to watch in his prime. You know when he like hit Eddie Wineland with that spinning mm. back kick, and when he when he knocked out Uriah Faber and Michael and submitted Michael McDonald. That war he had with Michael McDonald that was a fucking awesome fight. Like, yeah, around the he time would, when he was the interim champion when Cruz was gone, I think I think yes. that was awesome. He was he was super fun. And it just TJ Dillashaw broke him. You rarely see a fighter so get so specifically broken by one opponent and one set of fights. But man, did Dillashaw do it? That was you know it's some Frankie Edgar Gray Maynard style uh, damage. Yeah, damage that's, soul taken there. That's real shit, man. It's unfortunate. I I like Brow back in the WEC days. Like he was yeah. fun back then. Yeah. Did he uh, did he announce that he's retiring? Oh, or? I'm sure he's not retired. I don't think he's retiring, but he's just done in the UFC. I can't imagine. I mean, maybe the UFC gives him another fight, but what? I would think like, not. I mean, he's on the fight pass prelims already. He's one and six in his you know last seven fights over the last four years. Yeah, last four in like, a row. What fight do they give him? Do they start putting him up with like the Chinese dudes on like a Shanghai UFC ESPN Plus car like? As the opener, it just, you know. Yeah, he's done. He Maybe he can go to, to Ryzen or something and uh, be post-USADA. But even then, I mean, look well, at Eric Silva's to, not looking good. He can go to Bellator because they yeah, have a pretty, uh, pretty weak uh, bantamweight division. They kind of need some some talent. And he's still good. I mean, that was a good first round out of him. So there's some interesting matchups. He's good against dudes who can't possibly hurt him. Bellator there, is there we go. right around the corner. Uh, and but what's his contract like? Is he even in a situation where... I don't know. Like, I, I just I, I just have to assume that the UFC's done booking him. Maybe they're not, but... It, it, I mean, how many more fights could he have on his contract? When was the last time that the UFC was looking at Henan Barrow and we're like, yeah, we need to renew this shit? And speaking of him just stepping away from fighting, I don't think he's made enough money in his UFC career to just retire. And then in his last two fights, he's lost 20% of both of those paychecks because he missed weight. Yeah, well, I, you can always remember the, the video, the classic when he was champion video of Hanan Barrow washing his fucking clothes in, the, in a bucket in the sink. <laughs> and you see him being like, look how humbly he lives. Isn't that awesome? You're like... No, it's because you pay him shit. Yeah. Fucking no. No, it's not awesome, actually. Oh, well, yeah, what the fuck to the entire career of late of Hen and Burrell. But I'll, I'll yeah, let you do the sign-off saying you can get out of here. WTF. 
All right. Not that I'm pushing I, you away, but. I typically down note, and I think on that note, we're going to step out of here, jump over, do the other show. You can find me on Twitter at these anytime. You can find Eddie on Twitter at the Eddie Mercado. You can find both of us over at bloodyelbow.com and at Bloody Elbow Presents on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, every other thing under the sun. And give us a like there. Find us in the sixth round. That'll be dropping tomorrow. And we will uh, see y'all soon. Thanks for having us on, Brian. No problem. Thanks, Eddie. And, Thanks, and Brian, you're looking healthy as hell nowadays. What you, I see you're getting a little bigger there. You bulking up a little bit. Huh? <laughs> I, huh? I weigh the exact same. I've just been posting about lifting weights. I see. I see. You see. Thanks, Thanks, I, though, man. I, I, I've been stalking you. Well, that's all right. Yeah. I follow you, too. You're a handsome man. What, like, what, is, what does um, Vic call you? Black Fabio? Black Fabio, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a, a girlfriend named me Black Fabio, and I kind of leaked it out, and then Vic ran with it, and now it's my Twitter name. So. And if, you don't, if you're not comfortable with that, Ricky Ketchup is right there. Ricky Ketchup is, is Black Fabio's evil twin. Yeah. <laughs> my my alter ego has an alias. And that's there my what go. the fuck of the card. <laughs> All, All right. right. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. All right, fight fans, if this is your first time being here, um, I'm going to take us through the rest of the fight card. We can talk about your comments um, over there. You can be my co-host as we recap the rest of UFC on ESPN1, which ended in Francis the Predator and Ganu, finishing the former heavyweight champion of the world, Cain Velasquez, in just 26 seconds. Uh, KO from a punch in the very first round. While I was talking to Zane and Eddie, I saw that a lot of you commenters were mentioning um, if it was just... Kane's knee going out or if it was due to a punch that actually ended the fight so I, I've watched it over a few times Kane ran forward of course looking for that takedown as he as uh Francis came forward on him actually Francis threw a one two that Dominic Cruz said connected it did not connect the the one went over his head and the two he kind of just slapped Kane on the back but then as Kane like tried to press forward for that takedown uh he got in tight up against the fence and Francis hit him with an uppercut in tight that that broke his equilibrium, got fucked his head up a little bit, and when and then when Kane like stepped funny, his knee went out. It was kind of like bang bang, like real simultaneous. But I do think that it was it was the right uppercut up against the fence when Ngannou had his back to the fence. That was the real uh, finisher. I mean, it was as uh, Q Annan says, it was the knees. It is Cain Velasquez being old, rickety, his knees. Maybe you've seen the video or the gif that shows, like, Cain Velasquez a long time ago versus versus Cain, like, progression, doing, like, the squat down that he does against the cage when he enters the octagon for the fight. It, and, like, he just squats down less and less each time. Uh, and he, his, he moves less when, when uh, in the octagon preparing to actually engage in the fight. And... Zane was talking about it's been three and a half years since Kane had hit a meaningful takedown in a fight and he lost that fight. It was when he lost the belt to Fabricio Verdum a long, long time ago. Uh, facing a young, strong, heavy punching heavyweight, I thought it was funny that the odds had minus 200 for Kane Velasquez. I bet on Francis Ngannou and uh, yay me. Um, you can follow my bets at betmma.tips forward slash J. I don't know why I just said that on the air because I'm not really good at betting, but um, you can go there and you can see my, my past bets. I'm, I'm negative units in my lifetime of betting, but it's still a lot of fun. Let's talk about the co-main event of the evening. Paul, the Irish Dragon Felder, defeated James Vick 29-28, 30-27 times two. 
Um, with uh, actually, Paul Felder did a, a really good job controlling the range, which is funny because he was facing a guy that's way taller, way longer than him. Um, he had a, he had a, did a better job out in space. He also did a better job up and tight with the clinch work. And the story of the fight for me was similar to what Justin Gaethje did to does to everybody. The outside low kick. Paul Felder hit James Vick with a lot of outside low kicks, which, as Q Annan says in the comment section, Vick has no head movement. <clears throat> because Vick's so long, early on, he can kind of just lean away from punches. But as, as you get kicked in the lead leg and it, it dwindles your mobility, not only can you move your head less, you can just get away from any strike a lot less effectively. And Paul Felder did a really good job chopping that leg down, finding the distance, and then Paul actually hit a whole bunch of spinning back elbows and spinning back fists on on James Vick. And I thought I thought it was pretty clear that Paul Felder won 30-27. I know one judge gave it 29-28, but the second round, which was I think the round where that one judge would have given it to Vick, it was tied exactly 20 to 20 for strikes landed, but Paul. At one point, hurt Vic with the outside low kick. You know, Vic kind of stumbled and was hobbling on his leg for a brief moment. And then um, the spinning back elbow landed for Paul. I thought Paul just controlled the whole thing. A what the fuck of the card could be. In the post-fight interview, Paul Felder said that somebody at the fighter meeting said that Paul wasn't intelligent enough to win a decision. The only way he could win a fight is via knockout. I, I want to say, what the fuck or who the fuck said that to Paul Felder. I really want to know. I hope he tweets it out. Uh, but Paul um, now redeemed himself from the last loss on his record, which was to Platinum Mike Perry back in July, where he, I think he broke his arm, um, and he's been recovering from that. And he had an emotional post-fight interview uh, because he, you know, he came back from the broken arm, and also he lost his dad sometime around the last fight. So, yeah, uh, a lot of you guys are talking about uh, Rob Amon's always here with the chopping block, going to cut some people that um, need to be released from the UFC's roster. Jacob Suarez, I don't understand how Vic's problems have only just caught up with him. Terrible defense. It actually, it they haven't just caught up with him. Um, they caught up with him back in 2006 at UFC 199 when Benyel Daryush knocked him out in the first round. He's just been able, I, I mean, he's fought. Paul Felder and Justin Gaethje are a high level of competition. Francisco Trinaldo is kind of a gatekeeper of like the top 25. He got the decision there. Uh, Joe Duffy, you know, not the highest level of competitor. Abel Trujillo was on his way out and doesn't have a, a big variety of punches or anything in his arsenal. You know, he's a big overhand right kind of guy. Um, so I think not only is it maybe, maybe people have film on Vic now. You get more film on somebody, you can, you can study them more and then basically he's always had the problem but people are just able to exploit it the further along in his career he goes but i also believe that the problem has has come to the top has boiled to the surface because um he's taken a step up in competition you know justin gaethje the former wsof champion uh very high level competitor you know undefeated when he made his octagon debut um and then paul felder i talked to paul after uh James Vick's last fight, which was a loss to Justin Gaethje in Lincoln, Nebraska. I had some beers with Paul, and I was talking, and I was I was really really drunk, so I might be misremembering, but but I was talking to Paul about you know like James Vick and about like all of the fights that that Paul calls, and I think that Paul is a very very intelligent fighter, 
based on my conversation with him, you can tell that he's good with his analysis and he's got a cerebral approach to the fights. I think he's a very intelligent individual. You can tell that by he's the commentator uh, for a lot of the UFC events. You can tell that he thinks things through a lot. And then he has a really good coach and team uh, with Duke Rufus out there, you know, with guys like Sergio, Anthony Pettis, and, and stuff like that. So I think Paul's got uh, a very intelligent approach to the game and um, exploiting the weaknesses of James Vick boiled to the surface because Paul is a really, really intelligent guy. Who did this guy do body shots off? Uh, I don't know. If that guy comments too much more, I'll have to block him. Uh, what else are you guys saying? We can move down. Uh, Rob Amon says Paul Felder versus Barboza would be intriguing. I think Paul's already lost to Barboza once, and it was back in uh, July of 2015. Also in the post-fight interview, Paul Felder called for the winner of Gaethje versus Barboza, which is happening um, soonish. Let's see. I think it's happening soon. Yeah, UFC on ESPN2, March 30th, 2019. Paul said that because of the war that he had tonight, he's not going to be able to go and fight at UFC Philadelphia, <clears throat> which is, let's see, UFC Philadelphia is happening on March 30th. Oh, that's that's the card where Barbosa versus Gaethje is on. So he wants the winner of that fight. And I think that's absolutely fine. Let's go down, uh, keep moving down the card to... Cynthia Calvillo versus Cast Iron Courtney Casey. First of all, I, I don't like how Bruce Buffer always says Courtney Cast Iron Casey, just the alliteration. It doesn't roll off the tongue as well as Cast Iron Courtney Casey does. So that's that's something. Um it wasn't it wasn't the best fight. I thought that Courtney Casey did a good job defending the takedowns, but overall she should have let her let her hands go a little more. She did a great job with the takedown defense. Now now she just needs to elevate her level of aggression, and she should have just let her hands go a little more. Cynthia Calvillo was doing a good job, like jabbing the leg, jabbing the body, making the mind of C Courtney Casey be overloaded with information of what's coming from her, from, from Calvillo, because Calvillo could have been looking for a takedown attempt, could have been looking to jab the body. You don't know what's really going on there. Calvillo hit a, a bunch of hard right hands on Courtney Casey. It was a, a pretty intriguing fight, actually, but I saw... Some people that were in the stand said they were bored and they were entertaining themselves by doing the wave and stuff during that fight. It honestly wasn't that great. Rob Amos says Courtney Casey is a gatekeeper. Yeah. In the post-fed interview, Cynthia Calvillo called out Tatiana Suarez. And I tweeted, man, if you make that fight, I'm betting my fucking life savings on Tatiana Suarez. I mean, we've seen Calvillo fight somebody who's a good wrestler, Carla Esparza. And... Esparza beat her via decision and pretty handily. Esparza just got finished by Tatiana Suarez. I know MMA math, yada yada, but I I think that Calvillo doesn't have that great of takedown defense, doesn't have that great of grappling defense. She's she's offensive with that. And I think Tatiana Suarez is the clearly the best wrestler in that division. I think she would just pound the shit out of Cynthia Calvillo. So I don't I I don't think we should make that fight. And also, Tatiana tweeted she doesn't want the fight because she wants top top five ranked opponent because she wants um, to move herself toward a title shot. Cron Gracie made a successful UFC debut in the 4,999th fight in UFC history. He's the first Gracie to win a fight in the octagon since 94 or whatever when Hoist 
did the damn thing. Um, he got a rear naked choke over Alex Caceres at two minutes and six seconds in the very first round. Uh, man, Cron Gracie's got to be the most relaxed son of a bitch in the world. Even in the post that interview, when John Annex like trying to get him to say things, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, man, that's that's what I do." That, yep. John Annex like, "Hey, dude, that was a really great transition. You got him up against the fence. You got one leg around his leg. You fucking swiftly took the back, and after that, it was just elementary." And he's like, "Yeah, man, <laughs> rear naked chugs, bud." Okay, and then like when John's like, "Here, here, you get the mic for one last thing you can say before we're gonna cut it off," and he's like. Tell the rest of the people in the division you better watch your fucking necks. <laughs> or I'm coming for those fucking necks. Like, Oops, shouldn't have cussed. Weird character, the Cron Gracie. Um, before we go any further, I want to ask you guys, if you watch the fight card, what your post-fight bonuses would be. Who would you give an extra $50,000 for a performance bonus? You can give three of those. And you can give one fight of the night. The reason why we give three performance bonuses is because we're not actually giving anybody any money. It's just for a post-fight show so we can chat about it. While you guys think about who you would give your post-fight bonuses to, I'm going to check... I'm going to check the Twitter machine for what the real bonuses were as I'm moving over there. Uh, Marcus McGahey says, Did Kron start his post-fight interview with Womp? There it is. <laughs> he absolutely did. Uh, who, who, who sings Womp? There it is. Not the Quad City DJs. Uh, fucking hilarious. Torin Brown says, Kron Gracie versus Brian Ortega. Uh, Jacob Suarez says, uh, Well, I'm, I'm going to save that. Who would you guys give your three post-fight bonuses to? <coughs> Excuse me. I should have muted my mic. As we check that, I'm going to go over and check the Twitter machine for what the real bonuses were. As I'm doing that, I'm going to stall for time and say that you can listen to this show audio only without my ugly face or the other guys' beautiful faces uh, by searching for Flying Brian Show wherever you get your podcasts. Or um, you can search for MMA Nation or Bloody Elbow Presents. And there's a link to the Bloody Elbow Presents uh, YouTube down below this video but if you don't want to find it there just search for flying brian show wherever you get your uh, your podcast and i think it should be everywhere um let's see what the real ones are it might take a bit um i don't think we have them yet <clears throat> okay well we don't have the real ones yet it doesn't seem so let's give out ours uh, Suego Lacuzia says, why doesn't the post-fight press conference start? I don't know. I don't think it started yet. Um, gosh, I hope there's going to be one. Because when I'm done with this show, I move over there and, and watch the post-fight press conference as well. So... <clears throat> Okay, let's look at these bonuses. Atoddle says, performance bonuses going to Cron Gracie and Luke Sanders. Because uh, Sanders got that first round or second round knockout over Hennon Burrell. Performances by Dylan Glenn says, go to Cron Gracie, Vicente Luque, and Luke Sanders. Cyrus Blazing says, uh, KO of the night, thro throwing it back there. Knockout of the night goes to Francis Ngannou, sub to Cron Gracie. Um, 
Liver shot. Raw moose liver says bonus tonight goes to Irish dude from Philly. Rob Amon says fight of the night to Felder vs. Vic. Uh, controversial. You got me with that. Knockout of the night to Francis Ngannou. Jacob Suarez says performances go to Cron uh, Gracie, Brian Bam Bam Barbarina, and Paul the Irish Dragon Felder. And, okay, so you probably have noticed that I've been putting off saying what the fight of the night was. And I, was, I wanted to use that to transition into talking about a welterweight fight. It was the second one on the main card. It ended in a TKO with six seconds to go in the night. Vicente Luque versus Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. Holy shit. I know everybody in the comment section has said that was the fight of the night, except for Rob was saying uh, the Irish Dragon versus Vic. But I think truly, without a doubt, no question in my mind, the fight of the night, the fight so far this year, any fucking promotion, was Vicente Luque versus Brian Bam Bam Barbarina. That was one of, if not the most epic fights I've ever watched in my life. I mean, it was right up there with how intense Ruthless Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald 2 was. It's right up there with Dong Yum Ma, Dong Yum Kim, the maestro, versus Marco Polo Reyes, which ended up winning, I think, fucking fight of the year. Luke A versus Barbarina was insane, my dudes. In the very first round, Luque's hitting Barbarina with everything in his arsenal. Big ol' right hand after big ol' right hand, knees to the face, walking him back. And what does Barbarina do? Puts his hands down, just kind of like, like just toddles forward after him. Speaking of toddle, Brian Barbarina walks out to Baby Shark. Do, 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 Baby Shark? I don't know. I don't know yet. I don't have kids yet. I'm going to have a kid probably within the next week, though, so... Yes. But, so, after Luque would just smash Barbarina with big fucking punches, Barbarina just comes toddling forward, hands down, face wide out in the open, that big beard and a mohawk just coming right at him. And then just peppering Luque with shots, just peppering him, peppering him, pop, 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 pop. Luque would put up the, like, it's not the peekaboo guard, but he would put up the guard, and Barbarina would be, like, hitting his arms, hitting around him, and just, like, tap, 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 tapping him. And then, like, maybe two minutes to go, in the first round, Brian Barbarina drops Vicente Luque. It's like, oh shit, fuck, what? And Luque like gets his senses back with him immediately. Takes the back of Brian Barbarina. Looks like he has a goddamn rear naked choke locked in. It's over his chin a little bit and not under his, you know, under the chin on the throat. And he also only has one hook in, but he looked like he was squeezing it tight as fuck. And it's like it's just inevitable. Uh, Barbarina's gonna either tap out or go to sleep. No, Barbarina like was rolling with it right, got his got his head out from underneath of it, and then just got free. Was gonna go get, to get back to his feet. He got on all fours, and Luke snatched in the Darsh choke, and we're like, oh shit, that's definitely over. Nope, Barbarina gets out of that too, and the first round ends with Barbarina raining down some vicious ground and pound with a lot of ferocity, with a lot of velocity, and a lot of punches. Period, on Luke to end the first round. It's like, oh my god. Wow, what the fuck was that? That's just the first round, for fuck's sakes. Second round, more of the same, except for toward the end of the round, it looked like Luque had Barbarina on the ropes. And it looked like uh, Luque could be going for the finish. But then 
you know, the bell sounds and it's the end of the second round and Barbarina still has his wits about him, walks to his corner, looking fine and dandy. Uh, Luque, because of the, the peppering shots, the massive volume that Barbarina was, was laying down on Vicente Luque, he was all bloody as fuck. And it, it, like, he, he looked like um, he started to lose his soul a little bit. You know, he didn't have like that pep in his step, that pizzazz in his life anymore because of the damage that uh, he was doing. Barbarina was doing to him. I need to find the stats. And then the third round, more of the same except for the same flash of violence, ferocity that Luque had at the end of the second round, which almost looked like he was going to finish Barbarina. He, he turned that shit up to fucking 13 and finished Barbarina with just six seconds to go. And my butthole was, was so tight. Tight butthole if you're a fan of the workaholics. Heart rate through the roof. About had an anxiety attack just watching it. I, I got out of breath. Super tired. I was sitting in this very chair not competing in any form of mixed martial arts. Not competing in anything that required uh, physical exertion. And I was tired from being on the edge of my seat of that amazing, amazing fight. I think that without a doubt, Vicente Luque versus Brian Barbarina was fight of the night. Uh, Jacob Suarez says, Bam Bam's chin... Can't feel a thing, but holy shit, how that fight went back and forth gave me high-ass blood pressure. Absolutely agree. I tweeted it, and I think probably everybody who had Twitter uh, said this as well, um, that Barbarina's chin is that of a prime, I mean a prime chin of Roy Big Country Nelson. And he, the thing of it is, I even said in my top three fights to watch this week video that Barbarina absorbs more than half of the strikes thrown his way and he's never been finished I think he probably absorbed um, he actually absorbed 68% of the strikes thrown his way tonight and he almost did not get finished total strikes uh, thrown total strikes landed in this fight Luke A versus Barbarina 164 for Vicente Luque, 195 for Barbarina. Significant strikes, 163 for Luque, 169 for Barbarina. I think the strikes per round are even more impressive. Round number two. No, round number three. Vicente Luque landed 71, and Brian Barbarina landed 73 strikes. Holy shit. And I forgot to mention... We saw the official scorecard uh, via MMAfighting.com after this one was over when we were watching the next bout. And if it would have gone to the judges, Brian Barbarina would have probably won that fight. Because up until the time when he got finished, he was winning the third round. And on two judges' scorecards, he was up uh, 20 to 18, I think. No, two judges had it tied. And then one judge had it for Barbarina 2018. And if... Barbarina would have won the third round. He would have won 29-28, 29-28, 30-27. Holy shit. There was an amazing display of violence, heart, determination, grit, uh, all of that shit. Respectfulness. After the fight was over, they hugged. They showed some respect for each other. They took a picture, and everything was great. Dylan Glenn. Pretty sure they said this was the highest number of significant strikes in a three-round welterweight fight. Holy fucking shit. Uh, no, it was the second fight on the main card. Liver shot, raw moose liver. <clears throat> wow. 
Do we still not have the official post-fight bonuses? This is some shit, guys. I'm gonna have to stall my ass off if we're gonna get these official the uh, post-fight bonuses in on this show. Um, the fight before that, which it feels like a letdown to even, you know, talk about the next fights on the card beyond Luke versus Barbarina because. And I even felt that way while watching the fight card live. You know, you move past Vicente Luque versus Brian Barberena, and I'm like, nothing's going to top that. Why keep going? You know, like, I have this theory, or I have this approach. Like, I've only been to the casino, like, twice in my life. But let's say I go to the casino. Let's say I'm playing blackjack. I put $100 down, and I get ace-king. Bam! 300 bucks. I just won. I just tripled my money. So I... I won 200 I now have $300 just in, in an instant. I'm like, why keep playing? It's not going to get better than that. Ace-King doesn't get better than Ace-King. You're playing blackjack. You know? Let's say you're on The Price is Right, and you go to that wheel that they spin before you go to the showcase showdown, and you fucking spin a dollar. Bam! Dollar. No reason to go again. But we can talk about the rest of these fights. Uh, Rob Amon's roster cuts. Hennon Burrell, cut him for sure. Uh, Alex Caceres, maybe cut him. Um, let's see, Alex Caceres. Now nah, we're not cutting him. He's he's uh he's two and two in his last four, and we're gonna keep him around. And Miles Jury, cut him maybe. And Cain Velasquez retire. Uh. Yeah, we don't have much time left. The overlords at SB Nation MMA want me to keep this thing to about a half an hour. That's why I've been trying to rush through this a little bit. Oh, and the UFC Phoenix post-fight press conference uh, will be starting here shortly. But liver shot, raw moose liver. Glad I didn't block you, my dude. Ask about what do I think about ESPN's production of the card? It's the inaugural card, right? This is the first card on... ESPN, main card on ESPN for the UFC. I suppose I should touch on the production quality. And it's no different. For, for me. I, I, I don't notice a difference at all. Um, we got the same commentators. We had Dominic Cruz, John Anik tonight. I would have liked for the first big show, we bring in... Um, Joe Rogan maybe Daniel Cormier, but as Atatl says, the UFC doesn't do the production, it's all the UFC. Uh, maybe we're talking about the presentation of the card. The, there are small tweaks, you know, like the first time we were ever on ESPN uh, where, where Donald Cerrone beat um, Alexander Hernandez, before we transitioned over to the ESPN Plus card, we had Stephen A. Smith there. That was a small difference. But other than that, it's exactly the same. <coughs> it's exactly the same. I'm sorry for all the coughing. Uh, Cyrus Blazing says, Perry vs. Barbarina, what do I think? Book that shit. Absolutely love it. I might even pick Barbarina to win that fight. But last thing that I think we need to really talk about on this card is Aljamain, Andre Feely versus Miles Jury. I'll just say the result, 29-28 across the board. It was basically Andre Feely pumping his jab out there and Miles Jury having no answer for it. Jury, I think the second round, hit a spinning back fist on Feely, knocked him down. Uh, and that got him th to win that round. But um, that fight wasn't that great. But 
the bantamweight fight that ended the prelim card on ESPN, Aljamain the Funkmaster Sterling versus Jimmy Altera Rivera. Coming into this fight, Rivera had never been taken down in the octagon, despite having quite a few fights for the promotion. And I said it would be, like, who won the fight would be the person who won the takedown or not takedown game. Aljamain Sterling, known as a really good grappler, background in wrestling, a very good top control and takedown game, was unable to take Rivera down, but because he was not worried about the takedown either, it freed up his striking. He had some long dynamic striking that he, he hurt Rivera with a couple of times, and Rivera didn't really have an answer for the, the distance uh, manipulation, and it was a really, really good performance from Aljamain Sterling. A lot of the time back before this fight, he'd throw like one wide kick, and that's it. You know, like one kick here and then one kick there. Today, he actually he put some combinations together. Um, he, he he transitioned from the from like the takedown attempts to the striking really, really well. If I had to say a what the fuck of the card, like my true what the fuck of the card, is the referee during Aljamain Sterling versus Jimmy Rivera. <clears throat> I'm sorry. <clears throat> I'm really dry. I, I apologize for all the coughing. One second. So, in space, Aljamain Sterling would go for a takedown attempt. And, of course, the fight would end up along the fence. And Aljo would be working to, to get his grip right behind the leg or behind the butt of Jimmy Rivera. But as soon as, like, the fight hit the fence, the referee would be telling uh, Aljamain Sterling, You gotta work! You gotta work from here. And it's like, what the fuck, man? He's working. He just got the fight here, which is an advantageous position. And if you can't see his hands looking to grasp behind the butt of Jimmy Rivera, you're a fucking dunce. And he did that over and over and over and over again. So my what the fuck goes to the referee during Aljamain versus uh, Jimmy Rivera. And I think that Aljo did a really, really good job in this fight. Aljo was too tall for... This is a toddle. Aljo was too tall and long for Rivera. Aljo kept tagging him from range, and Rivera had no urgency to go forward to try landing. Uh, settled into losing a decision. I wanted to say this earlier, and I have to bring it up now. We Somebody mentioned earlier that James Vick has been found out. You know, why are the problems in James Vick's game now just now boiling to the surface? And I think that Jimmy Rivera <clears throat> was uh, undefeated 20 fights in a row. He lost his like UFC or MMA debut, then went on like a 20-fight win streak before getting knocked out by... Marlon Marais, and Jimmy beat uh, John Dodson his last time out via decision, but I think that people are finding Jimmy Rivera out. He, <clears throat> god dang it, he has only one finish in his UFC career. Uh, I think like 78% of Jimmy Rivera's fights go to a decision, and he just, got, he just got like this, he's got a boxing game, he doesn't have much uh, in the way of kicks, he doesn't have much way of threatening with level changes or anything like that. He's just got this very straightforward boxing game where he hides behind his lead shoulder and he threatens with the right hand. Sure, he throws some low kicks out there every once in a while and he'll throw a high kick, but I just I don't think that is something that is in his game enough. And I think people are finding Jimmy Rivera out. And with the lack of um, danger in Jimmy Rivera's game, I think that people are just going to be like, he's not going to knock me out. I can just come forward on him and then try to put my game to work. You know, you hear fighters a lot talk about, I'm not worried about what my opponent's doing. doing. I'm working about getting better myself and what I'm doing. And I think when you're facing Jimmy Rivera, who lacks the finishing ability, you can kind of just go in there and worry about yourself. Rob Amon says, uh, Sterling versus Lineker is the fight to make. I like it a lot. Dylan Glenn, Rivera has never 
fought with enough urgency. He's just been lucky enough to outwork his opponents in all of his wins. Uh, paid programming says Lineker would beat Sterling, I think, but he loves that fight. Um, it's that That's an interesting fight because it would be another one that I would say it depends on who wins the takedown game. I mean, TJ Dillashaw just wrecked John Lineker with the takedown game. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously TJ Dillashaw has a more well-rounded and diverse dangerous attack overall than Aljamain Sterling, but just that aspect of grappling could be interesting in a Lineker matchup. Otato says Lineker got rebooked with uh, Corey Sandhagen. Yes, he did. You're right. Uh, Rivera needs to step down in competition, says Rob Amon, and Manny Alma says the crowd was bad. Too much unnecessary booing. Um, I th that happens a lot when you go to uh, markets that the UFC doesn't usually go to. You know, tonight was UFC Phoenix. <sighs> It's a, it's a group of people, so you're going to get a whole bunch of fans that aren't actually fight fans that go to the event uh, because the UFC's coming to town. They're not actually following the sport as tight as you and I do, as all of you guys and I do, right? So you're going to get some of those casual fans that are going to do stuff like that. At UFC Lincoln, there was a guy in front of me that was booing a really fun fight between um, actually Cast Iron Courtney Casey and um, Angela Overkill Hill, and I had been dr drinking a little bit. Um, I, I said to him, I said, hey, shut the fuck up. And I just said it right to him. He was the only guy in, like, my whole area that was booing. And I'm just like, we don't... And being from Lincoln, Nebraska, or that area, the UFC has never came there before. Um, and I, I don't want people to think that Lincoln, Nebraska is a bunch of shitty fans. Like Manny Almas says, the, the crowd was bad. I didn't want the, the fighters or anybody involved with the thing think that the crowd in Lincoln was bad. I know that we're not talking about UFC Lincoln tonight, but that's just my my theory. This is why you're not a legit journalist. Drinking on the job. No, at UFC Lincoln, I was a, I was there as a fan. Um, I had never been I'd only been to one UFC event in my life. I took the night off and I went to UFC Lincoln as a fan. B Bowser, Bowser. All right, guys, we got to go. Um, let me see. I still don't think we have the post fight bonuses. Nope, we don't have the post fight bonuses. But once again, follow me on Twitter at FlyingBrianJ. You can follow uh, my, the podcast version of this by searching for Flying Brian Show on all of your favorite podcast platforms. I should be there. Um, you can follow me on Facebook by searching for uh, FlyingBrianJ or at FlyingBrianShow. You can also get this podcast version by searching for, for Bloody Elbow Presents. That's the show. Thank you all so much for being here. I think we probably got the post-fight bonuses right, especially the fight of the night. Again, I appreciate you guys. I'll see you uh, next week, I hope, for UFC Prague post-fight show, which I think the entire fight card's happening on ESPN+. I'll see you then, guys. Namaste. Namaste, namaste. Oh, yeah. Thanks for throwing me likes, guys. I need the thumbs up. I think we could probably get to 100 likes. If you're here now live, please give it a thumbs up. We can get to 100, and it would be the first time that we've ever got 100 likes on this post-fight show. That'd mean a lot to me. Sorry for dragging out the ending. You know, namaste and all that jazz. Deuces.